0: Um, If I could, and I'm not trying to sell you anything. This is free. You can access it on the Internet. You can request, and there may even be some hard copies back there, a CD. But um, uh, some of the more recent revelations the Lord has given us on faith and the subject of faith um, have, have been coming forth on Wednesday evenings. So if you're not here on Wednesdays or for some reason can't be here on Wednesdays, or even if you were here, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm going to listen to those messages myself. Um, but um, please, please, please uh, get those messages uh, on Faith Basics. Uh, the first one was titled, Whoever, Whatever. And um, Anyway, it'll, uh, it'll be a blessing to you, I believe. Praise God. All right, Romans chapter 12. And so, uh, on Mother's Day, we we spoke to mothers first, and then kind of went into the message. We're going to do that a little different today. We're going to lay the groundwork with the message, and then um, there'll be remarks that we can all benefit from. But towards the mid to end of the message, um, we're going to have some things specifically to say to all the dads. Amen. 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 You know, um, when we think in terms of what fathers have added to our lives. And I've witnessed a lot of men over the years here at Heritage not just be fathers to their own children, but uh, to be fathers uh, to other folks as children um, and uh, love and support and and care for and help uh, and give wisdom and advice too. Um, So anyway, um, we are so thankful for you dads this morning. Um, and all that you have brought and added to our family of faith uh, over the past 20 years. And um, sometimes, you know, you don't get the recognition um, that you deserve. And so uh, it's, it's an honor today to honor you. Amen. Um, so anyway, we'll make some comments directly to you here in a moment. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now look at me for a moment. Let me make a quick comment. When it says that you may prove, have you ever heard the expression, the proof is in the pudding? You ever heard that expression, the proof is in the pudding? And A lot of times that expression is used when someone speaks of a change that they're going to make or a change that they have made. And sometimes that statement is even used in a negative connotation. It's kind of like, well, we'll wait and see. In other words, we'll we'll wait and see. In other words, somebody says, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to live this way anymore. And so, you know, we'll say, well, the proof's in the pudding. In other words, the idea is if you're genuine, if this is something you really mean, then it will be something that is carried out or is played out in your life. Okay? So when he talks about you and, and me Uh, being living sacrifices before God, becoming living proof of a living God. He's talking about there's something here for you and me to prove. In other words, talk is cheap. Talk's important, but talk is cheap. Faith without works is dead. So when he's talking about us proving the will of God, he's talking about us living it out. He's talking about us functioning in God's will. Amen? It's one thing to know His will. It's another thing to do His will. It's one thing to know His Word. It's another thing to do His Word. It's one thing to hear what the Word of God says. It's another thing altogether to experience the learning curve of applying what His Word says to your life, developing it as a new practice and ultimately a new way of life till it becomes a part of your personality. So when he's talking about being a living sacrifice before God, presenting your bodies, he's talking about living our lives in such a way, functioning in such a way, as to prove to the world through the life we live the will of God, which is what? Well-pleasing, beneficial, all-encompassing. That's what those words um, mean, proving what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Will of God. He's not talking about three degrees or measures of God's will. All three of those words are adjectives describing His singular will for your life and for mankind. What God desires for you, what God wants for you, is good, it's beneficial, it's well pleasing, and it's all encompassing. In other words, every area of your life, God has a plan and a purpose for. And he's saying that, that we can now function in his will and prove, not just to ourselves, but prove to those around us that doing it God's way is the best way. Amen? He's a good, good father. We sang it this morning. And he is perfect in all of his ways. He is perfect in all of his ways. So perfect in all of his ways from the perspective of how he deals with you and me. But also, remember, he has revealed to you and me his ways. He has made His ways of doing things available for you and me to pick up and ultimately ad- adapt as our own, adopt as our own way of doing things. So His perfect ways will work perfectly in your life and in my life as well. Amen. Now, verse number 3, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, so this is, this is for all of us, amen, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ. So we, being many, are one body in Christ. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Individually members Of one another. Now, when we are instructed here to renew our minds, he's talking about us learning how to think in agreement with and in alignment with God and his ways, but also talking about learning how to think in alignment with and in agreement with who we are in Christ. Discipleship is about discovering who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. We became something through the new birth that we were not before. And our minds are playing catch-up. Are you understand what I'm saying? In other words, we have a tendency, especially when we're first born again, to think like we were before we got saved. That doesn't mean we're not saved. But what it does mean is we're, we're liable to live more like the person we were than the person we became. Remember, it was your spirit that was born a second time of a new seed. Your mind wasn't born again. Your body wasn't born again. It was your spirit. Now, as we live in this life in the flesh, amen, if we're going to walk out, work out, walk out, who it is that we became in Christ Jesus, it's going to require... A renewing of our minds. Now, there's an important word in this—the uh, passages that we read this morning—and that's the word "function." That's the word "function." It's a doing word. It's a living word. Amen. It's one thing to be something. It's another thing to function as that thing. Are you hear what I'm saying? It's one thing to uh, be made righteous. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but it's another thing altogether to function in righteousness. Amen. And so this is what he is, among other things, saying in these passages. Something can be true about you, but if your thinking never adjusts to accommodate it, your reality will never change. Now listen to me very carefully. Through the new birth, you became free. If this is all we were going to talk about this morning, I could I could give you multiple passages of Scripture to support this. It doesn't say you will be free. It says you have been made free. And whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Why did He put the whom the Son has set free is free indeed? I believe one of the reasons He put that in there is because we have a tendency to base what we think upon what we see. And so the idea is if it doesn't look like you're free then the thinking is we must not be free. So when He said whom the Son has set free is free indeed, I believe, among other things, what He's saying is whom the Son has set free is free sure enough even if it doesn't look like you're free. Even if there is contradictory evidence in your life saying you're not free, if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. And so freedom by faith means you were born free, by the blood of Jesus, by the incorruptible seed of His Word. And if you were born free and have been made free, you are free, so believe you're free in spite of evidence that says you're not. This is why He says you're free indeed. Let the weak man say he's strong. Let the poor man say he's rich in Christ. He's talking about aligning your thoughts, your words, and your actions with what the Word says in spite of evidence in your life to the contrary so through the new birth you became free through the new birth you became righteous again if this is all we were talking about this morning and we have preached months and months on what the Bible says about you becoming the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus through the new birth that's why the word to the body of Christ is awake to righteousness awake to it he's not telling you be righteous become righteous He's saying you are righteous. And because you are righteous, you now have the wherewithal, the foundation to live righteously in this present evil world. Through the new birth you became free. Through the new birth you became righteous. Through the new birth you became healed. By His stripes you were healed. Through the new birth you became wealthy. The Bible says He became your sin so that you could become His righteousness. And the same Bible says he became poor, so that you could become rich. I'll be talking to a whole bunch of folks got all the cash they need this morning. I guess I don't know. <laughs> Only folks that are going to get excited about being told they're rich is people who already know they are. Amen. See, some folks say, well, I wonder who he's talking to in here because he's not talking to me because I'm not rich. See, there you go. You're lining your thoughts up with your bank account instead of the Word of God. You're lining your thoughts up with the money you owe and the bills you have and the lack of resources you seem to have and the lack of education you seem to have to get a better job to pay you more. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say He gives people with a four-year degree wealth. It says He became poor so you could become rich and we are rich in Him. It requires no faith to talk about how poor and broke you are. Man or woman operating in faith is the one that talks about how healed they are, how free they are, how righteous they are, how strong they are, how wealthy they are in Christ Jesus. Through the new birth, you became powerful. Powerful. And through the new birth, you became prosperous. But if your mind is never renewed to these truths, you will experience little to no benefit in your life reality. It's one thing to be free. It's another thing altogether to function in freedom. Can can we please take a moment to let the Lord help us with this? Because see, we, we live in a world, even a Christian religiousized world, that looks at someone who's continuing to struggle with sin and dares to say that that person must not be saved. You know we we say well, you know, if they if they were really saved, they wouldn't do that anymore. That does not line up with the Bible. That does not line up with scripture. Just because someone has been saved, that doesn't mean their mind has been renewed. That doesn't mean they have have learned how and matured uh, in the things of God enough to crucify their flesh. So Jesus is not just interested in you being free. He wants you to function in freedom. There's a difference. It's one thing to be made free and to be free indeed. It's another thing altogether to function in the freedom that Jesus paid such a high price for you and I to possess and to function in. It's one thing to be righteous. It's another thing altogether to function in righteousness. It's one thing to be healed. It's another thing altogether to function in healing. It's one thing to be powerful, but another thing altogether to function in the authority you have been given. The Bible says whatever you bind on earth, having already been bound in heaven, right, will be bound on earth. You have the authority in the name of Jesus to cast out demons. The Bible says those who believe will cast out demons, tread upon all the power and authority of the enemy, will speak with new tongues, will lay their hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. Functioning in healing doesn't just mean you functioning in health for yourself, but it means you functioning in healing to the extent that you lay your hands on other people and they're healed. That's in you right now. That gift belongs to you right now. That, that, that ability, that potential is in you right now. It's one thing for it to be yours. It's another thing to function in healing, to function in the authority you've been given. It's one thing to be wealthy and prosperous, but another thing altogether to function in in the unsearchable riches the Bible says you have been given. Now I'm taking a moment this morning because I'm wanting the Holy Spirit to help us all see or see better the connection between function and renewing the mind. What is the difference between someone who has been made free but is not functioning in freedom versus someone who has been made free and is functioning in freedom. The difference is the renewing of the mind. The difference is the renewing of the mind. Same is true for someone who's been made righteous versus someone who is functioning in righteousness versus someone who is not. The one who is has their mind renewed to who they are in Christ And it's the renewing of the mind that is now enabling them to function in who and what they became the day they became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Same is true with healing. Same is true with prosperity. Same is true with authority. Same is true with wealth. Come on now, are you with me? This is important. This is important. I've said this in one form or another for many years now. last thing in the world I want to do is when we get to heaven... Some of you come to find me and say, Pastor Mark, I sat in Heritage Christian Center for 60 years and you never told me I was healed. You never told me I was free. You never told me I was righteous. You never told me I had authority in the name of Jesus. You never told me I was prosperous. You never told me I was rich. You never told me I was wealthy. Why didn't you tell me that, Pastor? I could have lived all those years on planet earth in freedom and wealth and righteousness and and, and power and authority and prosperity and wealth. I'm telling you this morning, as God is my witness, as his word is our witness, every single bit of this is true about you right now. It's one thing for it to belong to you. It's another thing for you to function in it. Do you see why he says now you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God your reasonable service do not be conformed to this world's way of thinking and and living but be transformed to kingdom way of thinking and living by the renewing of your mind so that you may live out so that you may prove so that you may become living examples proving proofs in the pudding Proofs in the lifestyle. Proofs in the the functioning, right? So that you might function according to God's good, beneficial, well-pleasing, all-encompassing will for mankind. That's what he's saying. This is about function. This is about functionality. Amen? Now, a few things we've said already, but I'll say them again. A few things affect your life more than your opinion of yourself. How you see yourself. Who you are individually in Christ is among the most important truth you will ever accept, embrace, internalize, and renew your mind to. But if you never understand your identity, please hear this, in relationship to the other members of the body you are in Christ with, you will never function According to your true purpose and potential. I'm going to put something up on the screen. I want you to I want you, to, man, Holy Spirit, just just impact, imprint, embolden this in our hearts and minds. I am the body of Christ. That's what the Bible says, right? Let me show it to you right quick in another place. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now, if you read it tomorrow, it'll still say now. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Is that what it says? So you are the body of Christ. If you are, then you're welcome to say I am. I am the body of Christ. All that stuff we've already talked about. I don't want to go back and repeat it all. But again, it's one thing to be, it's another thing to function. Sometimes we use the words legal, by covenant, because God said, and then vital. Vital is you walking it out, living it out, experiencing it, and enjoying it. What bridges the gap between the legal and the vital? The renewing of the mind. The reconditioning of the mind. Amen? So, you are the body of Christ. And the Bible says two things, two very important things in regards to that. A member individually and members of one another. We need a body mindset. If you were to say that in the world and in most churches they would think that that was some new form of yoga. In other words, when we hear body, body mindset, body mentality, our first thought for most people is our own physical body. But that's not what he's talking about here. That's not what I mean or what the Holy Spirit means when he says to you and me, we need, you need a body mindset, a body mentality when it comes to, to your our identity in Christ as opposed to an individual mindset or an individual mentality. So much of what we read in the scriptures when it says you don't misunderstand me and I, I amen. This is correction for me. Because over the years, I've said this so many times, some of you can finish the sentences for me, that we take everything about church personally except for what the Word says about us. If somebody doesn't speak, we take it personally. If somebody gets our parking place, we take it personally. If somebody has on the same outfit as we do, we take it personally. Then all of a sudden God speaks to us and we think He's talking about somebody else. We've got to personalize these things. We've got to receive them individually. But if we only stop there, we haven't gone far enough. We haven't let the Holy Spirit take it deep enough. Because it's not just the renewing of my mind as to who I am in Christ Jesus, but it's the renewing of my mind as to who I am as a member of the body and as a member of every person in this room this morning. We need a body mindset and so much of the especially in the epistles when the word you is used by the holy spirit i'm not saying we're wrong to take that personally or individually but on more occasions than not it's you all of you right If we were translating it in the south, we'd say, y'all. If we were translating it up north, we would say, you guys. And somewhere in the middle, we would say, you all. Because we're trying to distinguish in the English language the difference between you as an individual and you as a group. So we put the all in there in some way, or the guys in there in some way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In Eastern culture, we're Western by the way, in Eastern culture, you is always interpreted to mean the group first and the individual second. In Western culture, we receive it as meaning the individual first And oh yeah, this could possibly apply to somebody else as well. Jesus lived and taught in an Eastern culture, in an Eastern mindset. Not to mention, remember, God is a community. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in the community that is God, the community is always preferred before the individual. Amen. 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 So when the Bible says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, if you're misunderstanding me this morning, please don't. You as an individual are. But the first thing he wanted you to understand is that all of you are. Right? Because un- until we recognize that what's true of us is true of our brother and sister, We really have nothing in place to respect them and to love them and to humble ourselves and to, and to serve them the way we need to humble ourselves and serve them. Are you ready? To function as the body of Christ. We need a body mindset. Here's a question. How can we function as the body of Christ if we don't see ourselves or think of ourselves as the body of Christ. Are you with me this morning? That was... I know that's simple. That might be the simplest thing that we've said yet. But think about that for a moment. Our greatest strength and effectiveness to, to accomplish our destiny and assignment is for us to function as a body. Right? The devil doesn't want you to know anything about God. He doesn't want you to know anything about who you became the day you became a new creature, creation creature in Christ Jesus. But he will concede all of that as long as he can keep you from ever renewing your mind to You are the body of Christ, a member individually and members of one another. Because if we never see ourselves as the body of Christ, if we never think of ourselves as not just being one with Jesus, but being one with everybody else who is one with Him, we'll never function that way. We'll never function that way. Answers a lot of questions, doesn't it? why the body of Christ is not more effective at what we're here on this earth to do. I believe all the things that we're supposed to do as individuals are being hindered because of this truth. Because we always want to say, look at what I've done. Look at who I've helped. Look at who I laid hands on and was healed. Look at who I witnessed to and was saved. Look at, See, we always want to draw it back to us. Are you ready? You have a purpose, but you have no purpose outside of the body of Christ. You have an individual purpose. Again, my thumb has a really important purpose. Best finger on my best hand. It has no purpose separated from my body. It has no purpose separated from my body. And the day my thumb thinks so highly of itself that it would be better off without the rest of me or that it doesn't need the rest of me or that all it's interested in is my head, I've got some real functionality problems. I got some real issues with functioning. He's a private person. I'm not trying to embarrass him, right? But, you know, Greg is recovering quickly. He's going to astound all the doctors. But I guarantee if you would ask him this morning, one little bone right here. How many bones in the human body, Bethany? It's a bunch. Hundreds of bones. One. 256 bones in the human body. He's got one broken. And ask him how that's limited his functionality. Right? Just one out of 256 not doing what it was supposed to do. And it's affected the functionality of his entire body. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? Now, i got to say something to the dads and then we'll finish the rest of this next Sunday morning. You get anything out of this? What we're talking about this morning is understanding who we are, who God created us to be, and how that then determines our function and how it is that Father created us to function. Function within the body, understanding who you are in relationship to God and the other members, and your purpose as it relates to God, others, and the overall function of the community. This is what I'm saying to every person in this room. Are you hearing me? i got more stuff to say about it, and we'll say it later. But what we're talking about on a bigger scale is also true when it comes to the function of a family. One of the strategies of the enemy in our world today is to undermine the functionality of the family. And so what do we call this? We call this dysfunction, right? Dysfunction. The Bible makes it very clear that the father is the head of the home. And dads, as the head of the home, you need to know that the head is always... The target in warfare. We've heard it said in, 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 in ancient warfare all the way through to modern warfare cut off the head of the snake, and then you can defeat everything else. The head of the family is no exception. Now, Dads, I felt led by the Holy Spirit. To focus on one particular area this morning. I know we just shifted gears and took a hard right hand turn. It's okay, everybody hang on. Don't get slung off the bus. Dads, I want to remind you of the importance of your words. Because of who you are, because of how God created you to function because of the unique position that you are in, your words carry more weight with your family in general and your children in particular than any other person's words. This means your words have the most power to bring blessing and encouragement as well as hurt and pain. If a stranger walked up to me on the street that I've never met and says, dude, you're a loser. That might bother me. I mean, who does he think he is? What's up, you know? But if someone who is close to me says that, it carries more weight. And the most painful... would be if my own father said that to me. Are you following what I'm saying here? The most devastating. Now I'm not trying to use something negative to end this on a negative note, but I'm trying to show you dads that not only are words powerful, the position that a person is in when they speak those words determine the weight or the heaviness with which those words, the impact with which those words are received. Of all the things that Pastor Sam said last week, there's been several that have stood out to me, and one when he was talking about the blessing of the gray-haired man. Why is the blessing of a gray-haired man so uh, coveted in their culture? It's because of the respect that they have for the elderly. For someone with gray hair to impart a blessing, you thought it's because I have gray hair, right? No, no, no. It's because of the respect that they have for the elderly. They recognize the power that someone in that position has to release a blessing on their life. Dads, listen to me. Your enemy is hoping that you underestimate the importance of your position and assignment. You underestimate the importance of your identity and purpose in every area of your life, but especially when it comes to the most important relationships, your family and your children. Father told me that He had many assignments for my life. Some of those assignments are just coming into view in the last four or five years. But He told me that I would never have a more important assignment than raising my children. It's the most important assignment He'll ever give me. Last thing and we'll finish. God has ordained three very important offices. We see those offices revealed in the Old Testament. We see them in culmination in the life of King David all as a type and shadow of their true fulfillment in Christ. Those offices are the office of prophet, the office of priest, and the office of king. Are you hearing me? Office of prophet, office of priest, office of king. If I could simplify this morning, a prophet speaks on God's behalf to the people. A priest speaks on the people's behalf to God. A king rules and speaks declarations that are then established. God's Word says, declare a thing and I'll establish it for you. When the Lord spoke to me to speak to the dads present this morning and those listening later by recording to never underestimate your position and assignment your identity and your purpose especially when it comes to the power of your words he then reminded me that not only dads are you the priest of your home you're also the first prophet to be speaking into your family and your children's lives. I don't care if they're 50 years old. I'm not just talking about those of you with small children. Some of you today, you're going to receive phone calls from your children who live other places. Let them bless you. Let them wish you a happy Father's Day. Let them get caught up in their lives. And then let the Holy Spirit through you release a blessing on them through what you say back to them. Tell them how blessed you are. How pleased you are. How much you believe in them. How honored you are to be their dad. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You empower them with the words that you speak to them, men. Prophesy into their lives. Call things that be not as though they were into their lives. You may have the laziest son-in-law that ever walked planet Earth. And your daughter has to... Make him get on the phone to say something to you. Bless him! Empower him! Encourage him! Speak faith into his life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't underestimate the authority that you have, the position that you're in, the assignment that that you've been given to do this. Prophesy into their lives. And then please, dads, speak to Father behalf of your family, represent your family and your family's interests, your family's protection, your family's provision, your family's direction. You represent, you represent them as a priest, the priest of your home, before God. Now see, we like all this talk about a man's home is his castle, and your lazy boy recliner is your throne, and, and your family's the minions that brings you iced tea and popcorn or whatever. Well, how about be the king of your house? Declare that all of your children are taught of the Lord and grace the peace of your children. Declare that a thousand may fall on one side and ten thousand on another, but it will not come near your dwelling. Declare over your family the blessing of God, the favor of God, the goodness of God. Declare that He gives His angels charge over your family, to keep them from even stumping their toe against a rock. Declare over your family that all of your children will fulfill their destiny in Father's kingdom and that your family and your children have a heart to know God and follow hard after Him. This is the position that we're in, men, as fathers. This is the position that God has put us in, in the position of a king, a priest, and a prophet to declare over our children and to call them into their destiny, to call them in to their wealthy place, to call them in to prosperity and freedom and righteousness. Never underestimate the position you're in to do that. Amen. Amen. Singers and musicians, would you come, please? Thank you, Jesus. There was about 20 minutes of stuff that we left out that would have maybe connected those things a little more. But do you see how they tie together what we're talking about this morning? Understanding who you are in Christ. Recognizing that this is not just something for us to brag about or buy a t-shirt that says it. But it's for us to function in these things. Everything that God created, He created for a purpose He had a purpose in mind before He created it. He is the ultimate Father. He created men in His likeness and in His image and gave us the power to father children. That doesn't just mean uh, impregnate a woman. It means for us to father them. Learning from His example in fathering us. So, Pastor Mark, you don't understand. I I made a lot of mistakes. I've been absent from my children's life for a lot of times. Then don't keep making the mistake. Don't let one add to the other. So my children won't receive my phone calls. Then write them a letter. Send them a text message. Send them one every day, three times a day. Telling them how much you love them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't we we can't make excuses, men. Are there things that I would do different if I could go back? And, and yes, that's part of it. That's where you trust God to restore and to make up and to and 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 to you know you give it your best effort and then He does the rest. Amen. 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 And don't think because your children are grown that you no longer mean anything or that you your words no longer carry weight with them. You say, well, Pastor Mark, again, you don't know how I've abused my family or neglected them. Let's let's see, again, I'm talking about something that goes much deeper. I'm talking about a spiritual bond that God created. I stand in in front of a group of women most mornings every week. And a lot of them, through mistakes that they've made, have lost custody of their children. And I tell them, I said, the bond that exists between a mother and a child is something that God ordained and is more powerful, is more powerful than anything on this earth. And I tell them this, I say, one day your children will come to find you. Make sure they find you healthy when when they come, because they're coming. And the same is true the, the, the bond between a father and his children is something that is otherworldly. Otherworldly. It comes from heaven. And even if they say, I don't ever want to see your face or hear a word from you ever again, they're lying. They do. They just don't know they do. Do it by faith. Amen? Amen. Stand with me this morning. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father... As we stand before You this morning, we stand before You as many, yet as one body in Christ Jesus. And Father, while I pray for everyone, I also want to pray specifically for dads. I want to pray that we all understand our true identity. I want to pray this morning that You help us all, Father, better understand the reality so that we can function in the reality. But Lord, at the same time, I pray specifically for fathers this morning. That they would quit being so hard on themselves. And they would quit using the mistakes of the past to continue to make mistakes in the present. Father, that we would rise up in who we are in Christ and who you've created us to be in Christ and that we would be the fathers that not only our own children need us to be, but so many of the fatherless in this world need us to be. Father, I thank you today for the things that you're doing among us as a family of faith, for the things that you're saying to us. And I thank you, Father, that you're giving us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to understand and receive. Father, may may we be challenged and inspired today to function in who we've already become, in Christ Jesus. Function in freedom. Function in righteousness. Function in healing. Function in power. Authority. Wealth. Prosperity. This world needs You, Father. This world needs Jesus. It's so easy for us to say this. But we are the living, breathing expression of you in this world. So what this world needs is the body of Christ to function as the body of Christ has been created in Christ Jesus to function. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing this this morning before we're dismissed. If you would like to be prayed for this morning, these altars are open. We would love to pray with you. As we sing, just if you would meditate on these things, I believe that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to some dads to make some phone calls, write some letters, go knock on some doors, even. Let's worship our Father.